Hi everybody, Jed Ayers here. Welcome to another edition of The Attic. And visiting us today in The Attic is a very special guest, a rising star in the end user compute space, a blogger, an author, a prolific public speaker, and the product manager for Windows 365. None other than Christian Brinkhoff. So welcome, Christian. We're very excited to have you here on The Attic and uh, you know, hear not only kind of your personal journey, but also your views on you know, where the industry is going and you're sitting right in the, uh, the middle of uh, probably the most disruptive product that Microsoft has brought out in a long time. So excited to, uh, to have this conversation with you. So welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here, Jed. Uh, happy, uh, happy to be invited. You are the youngest guest I think that we've uh, ever had. You're the first one that has no gray hair, the one that's standing up. I think you're the only one that had uh, your lights connected to your phone. So uh, great to have a millennial uh, join us on the, uh, on the attic. Yeah, thanks, Jed. And always glad to, uh, to have a chat with you, normally at physical events and such, but right now the audience can sort of enjoy the fun we normally have while chatting as well. So yeah. looking forward to This is The Attic, and we love to kind of uh, dig into people's origin stories and kind of hear how they got into tech. So I think we should start there. So talk to us a little bit about how you got into tech. What was the sort of catalyst? So my IT journey uh, started a little bit from like doing it myself and without a study and things like that. So I was like 11, 12 years old. I received my first computer. It was a Hel Parker Packard. It was, I don't know, very popular brand, but it was a very ugly computer, like blue with white. It didn't look very well. So I was like looking at that computer and I was walking into a computer shop in my home country and I saw a case that had a um, transparent side with like neon lights and such. And I was like, oh, I need to have this. This is way nicer than the kind of case I have today. So I ended up buying that case and um, moved, deassembled de my original case to the new one. And I labeled all the cables with colors and names and such. Mm -hmm. And I think that was sort of the starting point of me involving like IT technology computers and such. And after that, it got me like stick to all those things related to computers. Tell us a little bit about your parents and uh, your, your father and mother. So this story uh, really sort of created a way how I personal, personalized my own identity. So I never really shared this story. Sometimes some close friends and people in the community know about this, but when I was like 17, 16, my father receives a disease and we still don't know exactly what it is, but he got blind over a period of uh, eight years. And he was very like motivated, just like me. He was a team leader uh, at a newsletter uh, company in uh, Nijmegen in the Netherlands as well. And if you're a team leader and you end up getting almost to zero vision, you sort of have to give up all your control and responsibilities. And that's very hard. It's a transformation you make in, yeah, being very confident and, and self-driven and almost being dependent on anybody or everybody, right? And, and, and that was a moment in my life uh, where I 
got more responsible for the rest of the family too. So I had to take care of, of almost everything. Um, like think about doing stuff for, for, for the bank or, or just going out, uh, arranging something for the government, for my parents. I had to do and that. How all. old were you? And I didn't... How old were you at this time? Year, year 16, yeah. 17, when it started. And like when I was like 23, 24, um, my, my dad stopped working completely. So he went out of his role and received like other alternative roles to just continue working. And then he stopped completely with working. But that, yeah, that transformation and thinking at a young, young age and always keep going because you're healthy. And if you're healthy, you're, you have a blessing that you're, um, yeah, healthy and you can just do what you like and all that comb the combination between tech and being healthy and taking care of the family and be all healthy and have all fun, right? That's, yeah. that's something that always sticks in the back of my head. And that's the reason why I like doing work across the globe, connect with more people and have that personal relationship with everybody. And I think that's maybe the reason of doing all that community work as well. So well, that's a great story. And so I heard you built websites when you were only 14 years old and you made quite a living doing it. Yeah, eventually I ended up having my own computer uh, sort of store shop help service kind of uh, company uh, as just a side job when I was like a 14 year old uh, kid and made a good like chunk of money out of that as well and i had my own business cards and distribute that to sort of build my own like customer uh, relationships and eventually that turned out great and as part of that journey and doing that work i also when i was 14 started my own website and created a sort of platform where you could play games. Uh, it was called um, Online Mafia Games, where you could like call and purchase coins and then play a game with each other and then get sort of credit and such. And that was so successful that eventually that turned out to be like a pretty, pretty good like investment as well as return on investment. And so at my 15 years of age, I almost earned the same amount of money as my parents did while wow. just working 40 hours a week. And I only did that, I think, for two years or so, because like coding and websites what not, was not really what I was like interested in about. Really what I, what, what I was like hooked up in was like, um, like the, the IT pro section. So what can you do inside a computer as well as outside to manage it all? And yeah, bring that all together and eventually uh, the first step for me was working in a computer shop. So doing basically what I did in my private life, but then professionally. Uh -huh. And at that moment, I started to do my, um, my, my IT management degree. Uh, it was first called IT help desk uh, management or something like that. And eventually I moved up to the ladder and ended up with IT management. And yeah, that got me into the yeah, server management kind of uh, industry. So doing Windows Server, Active Directory and everything related to that. And then eventually getting through that, I was working for a company doing that. And I was like, I need to do more. So I uh, gained in my uh, degree and did like one day of school and four days of working. And that eventually got me more in the bigger professional life where I got hooked up with bigger customers, larger environments. And the next step was I'm investing in cloud. So back in 2014, 15, 
there wasn't that much cloud or end user computing and cloud happening. It was all on-prem and such. And I was sort of the first um, yeah, person in the industry sort of exploring that and just started to write and ex extend my knowledge as well as sharing that knowledge that I learned. And I think that was sort of a key moment in my, in my career moving forward, where I shifted my mindset in, I want to be the best and learn as much as I can that I have in my own control and turn it around and explain that in a way that others can benefit from that too, from a technology perspective that is sort of unknown for a lot of businesses yet. And I think that, as I said, was a key element in my career where I shifted into uh, Citrix as well and VMware, where I did um, work, work for an MSP, system management for Citrix environments and such. And that combination, that investment in cloud and desktop virtualization, uh, yeah, sort of got my passion and I never lost it. Is so. this, uh, when did you start uh, Blogger? It's a good question. So I, I think I launched my blog in 2016. Okay. Sometimes you start with something just as a balloon, you let it fly and you don't know what to expect. And that was exactly what I did with that blog. I, I, I remember my first blog was around, I think, Citrix storefront and a self-service mechanism around that. And I just shared it because I thought it was like cool technology back then. And people liked it too, because they never saw it before. And then after that, I got excited and doing more and more blogging. And after a year, I started presenting and Citrix reached out to me, VMware reached out to me. Do you want to be a CTP or VMware V expert and all those titles? And it was never my plan to end up there. But that sort of was my pad, that journey that ended up there because that was sort of the program for people like me that share their passion uh, for the community to help others uh, moving forward. So Christian, share with us how you ended up at FS Logic after working at all these different resellers inside these enterprises doing consulting work. FS Logic was building their product and, and went to market with that product and they developed a new product in the suite, which was called Cloud Cache. So they needed somebody with cloud knowledge and use experience as well as visibility uh, across the globe and help that product go to market. And at that moment, Kevin Goodman and Michel Roth, uh, another well-known name, uh, reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to help? And at that moment, I just made the decision for myself to, um, to become a freelancer. So I, I qu quit my job, my normal safe consultancy job and and and, and yeah, quit and, and left myself without any replacement it's kind of a tricky thing but was as well another um yeah turnkey moment and then they reached out to me and say hey do you want to help us and that was like a perfect match because i was sort of i was sort of like moving away from consultancy i liked it still but all those uh projects were sort of almost the same and uh, like the companies were different and every company was different with different layers of structure and and how the architecture previously was built and how you can improve that but um it sort of yeah i didn't wake or wake or light up that fire anymore in my head and that was like that was like the moment when i thought like hey i need to jump into uh, a product like uh, whether it's a startup, just a product-focused kind of job where I can incorporate all my learnings, my technology, and as well express myself in the community work I was doing. And that was like the perfect match. 
And I was doing that for, so, I think, roughly eight months. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about, got acquired. Uh, yeah, that, that must have been a, a big leap to take the risk to leave the safe safety of your consulting and, and then go work for Kevin in a startup. Talk to us a little bit. How long were you there before the company was sold? And what, what was your actual role there? Yeah, so I was hired as um, a technical evangelist and cloud solutions architect. Um, so I was uh, primarily responsible for the EMEA market, but I did as well stuff in the Americas. And yeah, it was like in a startup, you can do everything you want. And that's the great thing about a startup is that all you think is beneficial uh, for the product and where you can help others in the team you can do and execute and um, it could be a challenge sometimes as well that you end up with a person with a lot of hats uh, and pretty much that's still the case even in microsoft sometimes right. um, but that's the the good thing about a startup to learn about the process and really yeah see what is a good fit for you are you more a sales engineering person are you more a, a, a marketeer or are you more like yeah a person that does product uh, development like product management and within a startup you can just explore yourself and learn and then sort of see what your journey and your path is moving forward and that was the great thing about Avis Logics. Well you obviously surrounded yourself with some great people and I mean you go from uh, from FS Logics and Kevin calls you and says Microsoft is buying us and then you find yourself at Microsoft Talk to us about, you know, sort of your, you found yourself, I think, initially as a, as a black belt, uh, evangelizing, uh, you know, what was a, essentially a startup inside of Microsoft or Windows Virtual Desktop. I think that's actually where you and I first, uh, you know, got to know each other a little better was, uh, you know, through Scott Manchester's sort of startup inside of Microsoft. So talk a little bit about the difference between a 30-person startup and a, uh, how many ever 60,000 people that Microsoft has? What was the, the yeah, major difference it, there? It's a great question. And I think people from the outside that are not working for Microsoft um, think that Microsoft is the complete opposite of a startup. Um, but I can answer that question. Even Microsoft has a community and as well startup kind of mindset. So when I moved from FS Logics to Microsoft, the first year I was still working in sort of a transition phase as a contractor, as part of the acquisition. And my job was to make sure that the Microsoft field and product managers and everybody know about FS Logics, make sure that the transition goes as well as possible and that the product is known in the field and as well by the Microsoft customers uh, for the upcoming 12 months. So that's what I did. Nothing really changed. Uh, the only thing that changed is that I had all of a sudden 140,000 more colleagues instead of just 25. Right. So that was kind of a change. So searching for who I need to uh, talk to and such was a more, more difficult operation. But just the mindset of the team of the Azure Virtual Desktop, previously the Windows Virtual Desktop team led by Scott back then, was working in the same kind of mindset, like working hard, listen to customers, build new features and, and ship that. And uh, even in a big company like Microsoft, you can still be a smaller team where you as a team create sort of a, a culture 
that you like that is sort of representing the culture that you had from a startup like FS Logics as well. And yeah, that's that's yeah. really the reason uh, why I'm still working as well for for Microsoft because I really like that that mindset. So and you got, you got to talk a little bit about Scott Manchester because I've gotten to know him over the last few years, and I I got to imagine some of the the mindset and the entrepreneurial spirit and you know some of the empathy for customers and building a team. I mean, he kind of went off twice now uh, in the last few years and went to the barn and built a spaceship inside of Microsoft. So, uh, and yeah, he's also somebody that has a few patents under his belt. So talk to me a little bit about how he's influenced you and what it's been like to work for, for a legend like Scott. You will find people, even though they are 20, 30 years older, people where you have a connection with, you see sort of that they are two or, or, or 20 or 30 years more ahead, but they have the same kind of red wire in the middle that follows the principles of working hard, having fun, as well as have a good work life balance relationship. And yeah, really appreciate as well the work that you do and work hard as well, but make sure that that's always in a good sync. And I think Scott is, is exactly sort of of that, like when I, I still remember when I joined Microsoft, um, Scott was like the lead of the team and I was in the field. So it could sometimes feel as a long distance kind of um, to path to follow, to, to get to know each other. But at some point we really connected at an event. I'm not sure exactly which one. I think it was Microsoft Ignite in 2018 and he presented um, FS Logics as a partnership solution while we were knowing that the acquisition was already like closed off, but it wasn't ready to announce yet. And at that moment we got connected and I personally think, but he never confirmed it to me, is that he sort of um, followed me along the way as a person. And I think it was Igel disrupt in, in Nashville when I was presenting a keynote there and he was sitting in the front row as, as one of the audience. There are only like a couple of participants that are normally sitting front row, right? You, you know as well that at a like event, people tend not to participate on the front row. So he was sitting there and that was a presentation. I knew two hours before the actual presentation happened that I had to do it. I replaced, uh, I think Scott, uh, for a new session that he already did. So he was analyzing me during the presentation and yeah, gave me a compliment after it. And I was saying, I just prepared myself just for an hour. So I'm glad that you say this to me. And I think that was sort of a, a game changing moment and how he got to know me and the way how I think about things. Like just do it, just try it and see what happens. And yeah, sort of a, yeah, that a connection fearless moved on. moment for you. I, I have to say, uh, it almost appears that you uh, became a little bit of the Scott wingman in terms of evangelizing not only WVD, then AVD, but then three, uh, Windows 365, right? You've become a pretty big mouthpiece for you know, the technology and the vision of this technology. It's got to be a remarkable kind of moment for you to reflect that, you know, hey, you got 17,000 Twitter followers and... I uh, have to believe, you know, before you joined Microsoft, that was probably 3,000 maybe, right? Um, 
So uh, talk a little bit yeah. about, I think, you know, uh, certainly that Microsoft has changed your life in many ways, it seems to me, in terms of your visibility out there. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, but I, uh, I didn't change the way how I was doing things around social media. Uh, when I joined Microsoft, I, I still did the same thing. I increased maybe the consistency I had. So I, I did it more often because I could create a role where, where, where there was a good fit between my normal role uh, tasks as well as the community worker was doing. So if you can combine it in a good sense and bring in your passion and passion sort of yeah, goes uh, through that social media channel to others, then the rest automatically follows. So that's that's one of the things I always did, like, like change your personal uh, brand to a technology that you believe in. And then you can just extend your passion with that technology. And then the people that follow you uh, they will like that. They see that it's sort of an unwritten language that you can even express emotion over social media. And it could be a person that just starts doing uh, social media activity or already is way ahead, but sees like a similarity between what you do and what he is doing. Uh, but just as well, IT pros that like what they see because they are in the journey of the digital transformation and, and want to keep up because with COVID, transferring knowledge and how you consume knowledge completely yes, changed. It it's not like a book anymore only. It's more than that. So, so. what is your favorite social media uh, platform that you use? Yeah, it's a good question. I tend to use uh, LinkedIn and Twitter all together at the same time, but I have a more um, business relationship with people on the LinkedIn side, where Twitter is more open as well for some personal kind of um, yeah uh, story sharing and such. So I think I'm active on both platforms in the same way uh, and the same kind of effort. But on the LinkedIn side, I have a, a closer connection with businesses uh, that potentially are looking for technology that I'm representing as part of Microsoft, where Twitter is more open to almost everything, like friends, community friends, as well as businesses yeah, so as well. More of your personality coming through in Twitter. This is good. So uh, yeah. let's talk a little bit about technology, because obviously you're sitting in the middle of Windows 365 and love to kind of just, you know, at least get a glimpse in terms of how you see, you know, uh, end user compute developing and sort of desktop as a service. I know Windows 365 has had, you know, an amazing kind of growth patterns through COVID, but you know, just give us a glimpse into to, to sort of what you see in this space um, going forward. It's a great question, and there are customers asking for the same the same thing, of course. And I always start those conversations with a quote from Sachin Adela, which he did during the uh, keynote of. Um, announcing Windows 365 Cloud PC. And he said, with Windows 365, we're creating a new category, the Cloud PC. And just like applications were brought to the cloud with SaaS, with software as a service, we are now bringing the operation, uh, operating system to the cloud with, uh, with Windows 365. So that sort of phrases the way how you should look at Windows 365. Uh, SaaS is easy. You can just purchase it and you get there 
with just a, a couple of clicks and, and, and that's it. And the backend services you use for that, it's, it's not necessary because you pay that, that subscription fee uh, and, and, and that's monthly and that's it. And that's the same with Windows 365 Cloud PC. The, the, the barrier to get to VDI or desktop virtualization over the last 30 years has been pretty enormous. And it's, it's great because as a consultant, you could do that job and that was your job to differentiate from others and that create a living for yourself. But right now we are on a journey to public cloud services and Windows 365 fills in a gap from Microsoft that Microsoft didn't fill for like the last 30 years. So RDS has been around, but hasn't been uh, really focused on the desktop experience. It always has been more server orientated where Citrix came with um, their Xenapp solution on top of that and filled in a, a gap on, on top of the native Microsoft technology. And Microsoft currently goes to a transform transformation where the virtualization experience of Windows becomes very important across every platform you can use. And I always, in terms of that uh, shift to SaaS, I always use sort of the um, comparison between uh, Exchange on-prem, where you had to spin up a server, an Exchange uh, server, and all those mailbox databases and everything. And all of a sudden there was Office 365 and Exchange Online. And that changed uh, changed the complete industry as well. How you look at a mail server, everything is now yeah, I mean, and that globally took in maybe just five years, right? So, given that you just launched cloud uh, PC and Windows 365, you think five years from now, how many people are using a fat Windows experience on the edge? What do you, you think that will be a similar uh, adoption curve? Yes, I, I think you will see similar paths in that journey moving forward. So a lot of businesses are currently eager to learn about Windows 365 Cloud PC. They, be, they believe in the vision. They believe in the structure and the easiness and the scalability of the service. We have some customers, some early adopters that spend up uh, 3,000, 4,000 Cloud PCs just in a day. Uh, and, and that are examples of what you can accomplish with Windows 365 Cloud PC. And that's all without knowledge for virtualization. We leverage technology that you use for managing a physical PC as well. And that mindset on consolidating your management layers all in one, whether that's a physical PC or a virtual cloud PC that runs in a data center of, of Microsoft, that, that's where IT organizations want to be. So it's just a matter of where you are in that digital transformation journey, like 20, uh, or two, two, two and a half years back with COVID just kicking in, a lot of businesses were seeking for remoting technology because the offices were closed and they ended up in uh, extending their licenses or going to another service uh, like Azure Virtual Desktop or any other virtualization technology because that was the only option at that time that they could pick to enable businesses for remote working. And right now we are more moving into a motion or an endemic, how people will call it too. And you see businesses sort of reevaluating those decisions and see how they can streamline that process and make it easier while using the same kind of technology for uh, the end user. And with Windows 365, as I said, we uh, streamline the IT admin experience as well as the end user experience. So we make that 
you know, the, the two world kind of experience, uh, a more yeah. streamlined experience and merge those IT departments that have been living separate worlds over the years altogether. Yeah, I think it's a great time to be in this space uh, again, right? I've been in it for about 20 years and it seems like every five years we see a, a lot of wave of innovation. And this one with Microsoft fueling it is, uh, and COVID uh, changing everything. This is definitely an interesting time to be here. I guess, you know, and I look at it, uh, had a lot of conversations with Scott about, you know, cost, complexity, connectivity. These are sort of the three big things that have held VDI back, right? And so, yeah, you uh, are, you know, attacking all of these things, right, with Windows 365. Talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, and I, this is a bit self-serving, right, coming from iGel, but, you know, I think it's always interesting given this sort of uh, partnership that we've enjoyed with you. You know, what's your uh, view in terms of, you know, the, where the world moves and having Linux as a connecting point to this uh, cloud-delivered PC? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. Um, so as I said earlier, bringing Windows to the cloud uh, from any device anywhere is is the new vision around like how can we deliver Windows, and that means that Windows from Linux besides Windows, as well as Android, Mac, iOS, becomes um, sort of a platform where a consistent experience to connect uh, to Windows sh sh should be the standard for our customers. And the partnership we have in, in creating a Linux client to connect to Windows 365 Cloud PC has been a key element in that, of course, too. And we are working closely together how we can improve that and streamline that process as well moving forward. So that simplicity is across like the endpoint as well as to the uh, Cloud PC visual for uh, both IT admin as well as the end user. So what I, what I predict is that customers will end up uh, with how they use Outlook today. You can have an iPhone, you can have an Android phone, you can have a Windows laptop, uh, but Outlook works on all those platforms in the same kind of experience while incorporating the platform experience as well. So you will see the application running on that platform while not degradating some of the experiences of the platform on its, on its own as well as on the application. And that is what you will see in the future. You will see more devices purposely um, yeah, con connecting to a cloud PC environment and, and, and really yeah, are more connected to the internet as well. And, and the, the need for having your resources locally becomes less relevant. And the scalability of that cloud PC runs in the cloud. So you can just purchase another license and then use that extra resource because you need that and then yeah, spin it down and then only pay for that for that time being. And that's kind of the limitation of hardware uh, over the last 30 years. You always had to purchase a new laptop to, to do that. And that flexibility that you get from the cloud right now is really game changing. So we are just at the early stage, but this is really yeah going to fly. And I'm, I'm very blessed to be part of this journey to help Microsoft uh, with all the experiences I've been like building and, and having over the years to solve challenges that I face myself, but never yeah, got solved. So you have a great, uh, so that's, you're, that's you're, great. you're working inside of a great company to actually affect this change. And the original vision you had around cloud back in 2014, I can't imagine finding yourself in a, a better 
uh, place. You're in the catbird seat, as they say. So, uh, you know, I'm a follower of, of yours. I'm a fan of yours. And I have to say, watching you over the last two years, uh, you know, you are a high energy guy. Uh, you seem to be uh, ready to take on just about anything. And I've watched you, uh, you during COVID, I think you, you wrote a book, you, uh, you've been in the middle of two big uh, product launches at Microsoft. And then most recently I've seen you move out of the Netherlands and uh, into the United States. So talk to us a little bit about what it's like to live in America and how, uh, how you're liking that. Yeah, the relocation with your family from the Netherlands during COVID to uh, the Seattle area, Redmond area, where you had to fight the battle with uh, the embassy to get a permit to work during COVID with a precedent that changes as well. So that all delayed everything a little bit. But after like nine months working in the product engineering group remotely from the Netherlands with a time zone change of nine hours, I finally got uh, the relocation approval. And I'm very and familiar with that nine hour side, time zone difference. I've been doing it for six years. So uh, I feel your uh, pain yeah, it's, there. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's it's not always fun, but that's. I always had it in mind that that's a temporary thing, so I did it for nine months. But in that nine months, I received a baby as well. So an, a son born in April last year, and that was all happening at the same time. So a kind of fun story is as well. My son was like one week old when we made the picture for his passport in order to get into the U.S. <laughs> So his photo on his passport is still like a small face and that passport is valid for five years. So can you imagine, right? He's four years, he goes to the border and shows that, that picture. I, I'm still looking forward to that. To that yeah, so you experience. have two children? Uh, they're pretty intense. Two kids or one? Two kids. Yeah, two kids. So my oldest turns uh, four and uh, pretty soon and my youngest is almost one so right. a good mix two, two uh, to live in the US. Old. This is a, a lot to handle. Yeah it's it's busy with yeah being at home and doing homeschooling and such sometimes but as I said if you're passionate and energized about what you do and you like it it doesn't matter what influence your work what you do if you're healthy and you like your job you like the people around you, exactly. you keep going. And, and that's how I like so, live my uh, life. In closing, can you share with us kind of what your aspirations are uh, over the next years? Like, what should we expect from you? Uh, what are your kind of bigger, longer term goals? The moment I joined the Windows 365 engineering team, I really made a clear decision for myself is that I want to take everything I did and turn it around and help the team to create a culture around that community mindset. So as part of the team, I'm shipping features. I'm responsible for Windows, Windows integration and Windows 11, all very cool uh, innovation that is happening right now. But on the other side, I'm also responsible for community. So I'm sharing my passion as well as my tips and ideas around how can we help uh, the team to create a mindset around um, community and have fun in sharing the, the product you built with others. And yeah, that's where I want to spend the rest of the year as well as the next couple of years on next to the normal uh, product feature like roadmap shipping work. And yeah, we will see how that eventually ends up. Um, Microsoft works in a culture that sharing 
from a growth mindset, things with others and with yourself and building on top of that and, and grow and grow into a yeah, position where yeah, you become a team or a part of a team where people want to work in. They like to work in a team, what they see and, and where they have the capabilities to grow and learn from others. And, and that's really where Winners 365 as a team is currently uh, at. And I think Scott is, is a main uh, reason why I work in this team, but he shares that same kind of mindset. And, and, and that's something I really like. So in the next couple of years, um, I will still work for Microsoft, uh, but I will probably position myself more in an, um, a, a mentor, so to say, yeah. for others to build their muscle in, in community and product development in a way that it is different from how people did it in the last well, we, two years. Uh, all I think are rooting for you and we'll be watching. Uh, just in closing, maybe you can share some of the ways that uh, people can connect with you. We like to uh, you know, make sure that uh, the network and the community stays strong here. So uh, maybe you can share just quickly you know, some of your uh, social uh, handles. Yeah, so if you want to look me up and stay connected around anything related to what we just have been discussing, you can go to my Twitter handle at Brinkoff underscore C. And on Twitter, you can just look me up on our first and last name, ChristianBrinkoff.com. Great. Well, so. uh, I just want to say thank you very much. You're a highly energized guy, and uh, we look forward to following you and watching what Microsoft's going to do to really revolutionize and change this uh, you know, com end user compute space in the ne next few years. And uh, we'll be watching for you and uh, just rooting for you. Thank you so much for joining us on The Attic and uh, look forward to having you back sometime. And I also would say we should have you uh, on the community, IGEL community, right? There's 8,000 people over there and given your servant uh, leadership and servant heart, I'm sure Doug Brown would love to have you uh, host a session over there for the IGEL community as well. So maybe we can work that out. Yeah, let's make it happen. Thanks for having me, Jet, and uh, I look forward yeah, to the next meeting. Be safe meeting. and be happy. Have fun. Wow, that was amazing. Thank you all for tuning in. We're super excited about our next guest, none other than Tarkin Maynard, the legendary Weiss CEO who sold to Dell, as well as the current Chief Commercial Officer at Nutanix. As always, lots of interesting perspectives on tech coming our way on The Attic. Please subscribe to the iGel YouTube channel. You'll get all the latest alerts about when the next episodes will drop. And until we meet again, this is Jed Ayers of iGel wishing you a great day. Be kind to each other, and we'll see you again here on The Attic. Mm -hmm.